Lauren, at the last debate the other day in Watertown, you were like watching from the control room of WWNY TV, like not in the studio, but where the, all the techs are, you mm-hmm. know? And so you could actually hear people like talking and reacting to what was happening. Oh, yeah. And there was a lot of reacting going on because this got really heated, particularly between Tedra Kopp, the Democrat, and Elise Stefanik, our congresswoman. Um, there were some gasps. Audible a couple, gasps. Yeah, a couple of, oh, <laughs> that just happened. Um, and I got to say, the tone of the debate took me by surprise, too. Yeah, and in those debates, Tedra Cobb has been talking a lot about her experience as county legislator. So I've been digging into her time to help run St. Lawrence County, and we'll talk about why her caucus dipped big time into the county's rainy day fund. And uh, I'm just back from Pittsburgh, where I covered uh, the second mass shooting that I've covered this year, two mass shootings a year for the last two years. This is happening a lot. Vermont, of course, this year narrowly averted a mass school shooting. So this is a big issue. And in her closing arguments for this election, uh, Stefanik has doubled down on her support for the legal sale of assault-style weapons. So let's definitely talk about that. We've been all over the place reporting, and now we're back for North Country in the House. Hello, uh, this is North Country in the House, Episode 8. I'm David Summerstein. Thanks very much for joining us. I have Lauren Rosenthal with us. Hello. And I have uh, Zach Hirsch in Plattsburgh. Hi. And Brian Mann in Westport. Hi, guys. So, wow, this is it. The home stretch of campaigning. We have a lot to talk about. As a reminder, North Country in the House is covers politics in the North Country, and we have been really focused on NY21, the race between Republican Elise Stefanik, Democrat Tedra Cobb, and Green Party candidate Lynn Kahn. We always love to hear from you with voice memos, with emails. Email me, david at ncpr.org, or you can send us a voice memo with your first and last name where you live and a question that you might have for us, and email it to david at ncpr.org. Okay, so we've all been hard at work as stories, so we're going to kind of pinwheel around here today. Let's start with the last debate. Lauren. Yeah, so this was at WWNY TV, local TV station in Watertown near the Fort Drum Army base. Uh, The debate happened right after, like a day after, a really big policy debate that the candidates held in Albany. So I think there was maybe a bit of fatigue going on. We covered a lot of the same issues in the questioning, but the tone was different. Um, This race has gotten pretty tight. And Stefanik and Cobb, like, they really took each other to task. You know, there was this moment where everybody's asking each other questions. Cobb asking Stefanik about a campaign ad. It tries to connect Cobb to Governor Andrew Cuomo uh, to say that she's a Cuomo appointee on ethics. Yeah, we fact checked that. Other organizations have, too. And we found that it's wrong. A different governor made the appointment. It's just not as simple or it's just not the way the ad is making it out to be. So Cobb basically asked, why is this still out there? I'm giving you a chance to be honest and I'm asking you, will you please take it off the air? I will be honest to the viewers. Tedra Cobb is a Cuomo clone. A Cuomo clone? Yeah, so that's the congresswoman trying to make the argument that Tedra Cobb supports similar policies like gun control, which we'll definitely get to later. She's trying to lump her Democratic opponent in with a governor who's not always popular here in the North Country. And it led to this back and forth like nothing we've heard during the debates, not during the campaign either. You're going to hear the moderator trying to jump in here. 
The question she was, will, will you Andrew take Cuomo. it off the air? No, will because you it's take true. it off the air. All right, so, and you so will let's, not true. You so, will vote for Andrew Cuomo. Okay. So let's figure this out, though. Will you take it off the air? It sounds no. like your answer is no, that it won't no. come off the air. Thank right? you. And that will you vote? It. That was the question. Okay. I had a question. I asked the question. And will Thank you vote you. for Andrew Cuomo? She will. Let's continue on with our questions here. So you can hear it. They're yeah. both frustrated. Really frustrated. Yeah. Um, the congresswoman's refusing to take the ad down, trying to turn this around and make it about Cobb. Well, the Democrat says, hey, I asked my question. I'm good here. Um, and, you know, we've got to say. What was what was Green Party <laughs> candidate Lynn Kahn doing during she, this? She was sitting literally in between them. And, you know, she really wasn't impressed. There are folks on either side of her kind of, you know, squabbling. And she's trying to make this argument. She's made it throughout the debates that this tension between the two parties is not good for the North Country and that divisive rhetoric is bad for the country as a whole. We should, we should also say, you mentioned this at the beginning, that in these three debates, there has been a lot of policy discussion as well, not just sort of back and forth and debating over the campaign or anything like that. And we have a lot of that up on online as well. But people should really check out those. Debates. Yeah, you should. You'll, you're going to learn a lot about specific policy ideas and positions. And I think it's something that, you know, voters would definitely want to want to know about. Okay, Zach, let's turn to you. You've been really focusing on Tedra Cobb, uh, the Democrat, uh, and specifically her eight years on the St. Lawrence County Legislature. And let's focus in on one moment of your reporting that maybe gives us a taste of how Cobb approaches budgets and managing money as a lawmaker, and then therefore perhaps hints at how she would approach it in Congress. Yeah. So backing up a little bit, Cobb became a legislator when Republicans were still in charge of the board. But then comes 2006 and Democrats had a great election night and took over. They flipped the board. And then the focus really shifted to this big reserve fund the county had and what to do with it. Um, The effects of the recession were starting to manifest. And we spoke to Cobb shortly after that election back in 2006. Okay, let's listen to a chunk of your story, Zach. I definitely want to be sure that the majority and the minority, all of those voices are heard and heard equally on this board. And that's important to me, having come from the minority. Cobb was named vice chairwoman, a position she'd hold for one year. It was a moment when the county and the entire U.S. economy were starting to fall on hard times. But St. Lawrence County had a big rainy day fund, over $21 million in reserves. Republicans had built up the fund when they were in power. Now that Democrats were in control, they didn't think it was right to have all that taxpayer money sitting around. Cobb spoke with NCPR yesterday. What's not responsible is for government to hold on to taxpayers' dollars. In other words, you shouldn't just be building up this fund because at the end of the day, that $20 million does not belong to the county government. It belongs to the taxpayers. The county also faced growing challenges. In 2007, General Motors announced it would shut down its plant in Messina, laying off hundreds of people. Pat Turbitt, the Democratic board chairman at the time, said the layoffs meant the county would have to cover unemployment benefits. At the same time, he says, people needed more social services, everything from foster care to drug abuse and mental health treatment. There wasn't a, a lot of wild increase in spending those years. I think it was just we're just trying to hold the line and maintain what we could do because things were not going very well. Cobb helped launch a new committee to find cost savings and do strategic planning. But Republicans on the board felt Democrats were doing just the opposite, that they were hemorrhaging money instead. 
Tom Nichols was a Republican legislator at the time. He says Cobb and other Democrats were basically drawing down the county's fund balance when there were already signs of tough economic times ahead. Governments need to look very closely at their spending in good times and in bad, and that when going gets tough, that doesn't mean step in the throttle and go faster. The Democrats, with Cobb among them, spent down the rainy day fund from $21 million in 2007 to less than $14 million at the end of 2008. So a drop in the reserve fund of $7 million, almost a third. I mean, that's a big deal. Yeah, about a third, especially when you consider what happened next. So they were using those reserves because the Great Recession was starting to hit hard. But then it stuck around for a few years, and that rainy day fund got pretty low. So the county later had to start borrowing millions of dollars every year just to make payroll and do cash flow, something they just stopped doing this year, actually. So, I mean, really, you could say that, you know, Democrats on the board at that time did what Democrats uh, did at the federal level, the Obama administration taking a really Keynesian approach to the recession, putting more money out there into people's pockets in the hopes that people will need it and will spend it to sort of keep the economy rolling. Yeah, David, and I should say, you know, this was really a bipartisan approach. This wasn't just a recession. This was one of the worst recessions in American history. Local governments were hit really, really hard. So if you go county by county, including many in the North Country governed by Republicans, you'll find people who struggled with the same choices and the same actions that were made there in in St. Lawrence County. So I think that context is pretty important here. Definitely. Coming up, we're going to talk with Brian, who has been in Pittsburgh this week covering the horrible shooting at the synagogue. And that's thrust gun rights and gun control back into the spotlight in this NY21 race. But first, we have Coffee Shop, where we talk with one voter about what they're thinking at this political moment. And Lauren, you were in Philadelphia, not Pennsylvania, but outside Fort Drum in Jefferson County. Yeah, I caught up with Kathy Matthews. She lives in Edwards, New York, but she was just passing through on her way home from the Salvation Army, dropping off some clothes. And she was picking up a coffee and some Danish. I like the lady who's running uh, the Green Party or something, but I feel it's a wasted vote. It's taken away from somebody who maybe needs that vote. And so I'm probably, well, just, I think I'll probably vote Republican because of the people that are being nasty and horrible to each other. I think the Democratic Party is the worst. Did you vote for Donald Trump back in 2016? Yeah. I wanted a change. And I figured, well, we're resilient. We can do this. No matter who we put in office, we can work around it. And in many ways, I think we have. Not as There's been too many crises, I think, that came up that he's not prepared for. People he depended on weren't particularly people suited for political life. So that was his disadvantage, I think. What has he done in these first two years that like, you're feeling really good about? Well, I think I think he, he worked very well with the economy. I think he, he worked... I think he, he was pretty good with race relations, personally. And I'm a person of color, but I think he has been. He got some flack in the wake of the Charlottesville riots for saying they were decent, good people on both sides in that conflict. I I chose not to interpret it the way everybody else did, because I've known very good people who backed things that I detest. And they weren't bad people, but they were misguided. I think he's been a little outrageous, which is okay. Do you think if he ran for re-election in 2020, would you vote for him? Oh, a lot, of, a lot would have to happen between now and then. <laughs> I don't see anybody else. 
what did you say her name? Kong Khan? What, the Green Party candidate yeah. in our district? Yeah, Lynn Khan. Lynn Khan. Lynn Khan. I'd vote for you at this point. <laughs> she ran for president before. Yeah, she ran I'm in 2016. Now. I'm ready now. <laughs> I didn't know you then. <laughs> Tell her I'll, I'll carry placards for her. <laughs> So assault weapons, military-style rifles, AR-15s, they were an issue from the very beginning of this NY21 general campaign. A Republican paid tracker secretly recorded Democrat Tedra Cobb talking about her support for an assault weapons ban. Cobb said she on the video that she couldn't talk openly about this issue because of possible political blowback. And that story blew up. And so now here we are near the end of the campaign, Brian, and because of what happened at the synagogue in Pittsburgh, we're talking about assault weapons again. Yeah, that's right. And and the Stefanik campaign is pushing this issue hard still on Twitter uh, and also in the Republican congresswoman's attacks during these debates. Uh, here's Stefanik speaking just the other day during the final debate in Watertown on WWNY-TV. I think it's very important for Ms. Cobb to answer the question on whether she supports an assault weapons ban, which we know she does support, which tens of thousands of gun owners in my district do not support. Stefanik there affirmed her support for the legal sale of these weapons and clearly trying to land punches on Cobb over this issue. But it's, Brian, it's a po- it's a complicated moment to do that, right? I mean, funerals are still underway in Pittsburgh for 11 people killed and uh, the gunman used an AR-15 rifle. Yeah, you know, this is an issue that looked like a clear winner for Elise Stefanik at one time. But after Parkland, when she did those town hall meetings, uh, a couple of them in the North Country, she got pushback from voters over this and people asking her about her support for the sale of these weapons. And then after the shootings in Pittsburgh on Saturday, you know, to use the sale of AR-15s and similar weapons as a rallying cry for her base and for her supporters, it's a tricky position to be taking and I think somewhat risky. Obviously, This is a gun-owning district. It's a rural district, a sportsman's district. But more of the people I've been talking to, including Republicans, have said there are serious questions about this. They want a thoughtful conversation about why it makes sense to sell these kinds of weapons, you know, banana clips, extended magazines, flash suppressors, that kind of thing, why these kinds of things should be sold to civilians. And to be clear, right now, the sale of these weapons is banned in New York State. Yeah, that's right. And and which means that what Elise Stefanik is doing is really raising kind of a symbolic issue, kind of a, 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 a culture war flashpoint issue. I mean, New York has some of the toughest gun laws in the country, the SAFE Act. It's still a really popular law in New York that's been tested by the court. I should say that Siena's latest poll found that two-thirds of New Yorkers support the SAFE Act. Uh, Republicans statewide are evenly divided on it, 41% in favor, 41% opposed. But the SAFE Act is more unpopular here in the North Country than those statewide numbers, right? Yeah, for sure. And you know, polls have showed that upstate the SAFE Act is more divisive, more controversial. You see these SAFE Act signs in people's yards. And Tedra Cobb, I should say, the Democrat herself has raised doubts about the SAFE Act. She suggested that it's flawed. Uh, She says she wants the Centers for Disease Control to study gun violence and propose measures to reduce it. She wants more universal background checks. Here she is speaking during the Watertown debate, 
saying she's still uncertain whether a ban on the sale of these weapons is the right move. It may be that. It may be. It may be. I don't know. It may be another option that we haven't looked at. What I want is a solution to the problem because I believe that we can protect our rights. Tedra Cobb there responding to Elise Stefanik, who has pushed hard in recent days on the assault weapons issue. Let's get right to final thoughts. Here we go into the last weekend before Election Day on Tuesday. I got to say, I'm fascinated by Tedra Cobb's strategy, what she's put out so far for her get out uh, the vote end game. Um, on this day that we're recording, she's holding tons of these 20 minute meetups all across the district, basically on the side of the road, like in <laughs> front of the McDonald's parking lot in Governor, literally on the side of the road at a welcome sign in Racket Lake. Um, this seems like a strategy that a lot of volunteers could get behind, really grassrootsy. Yeah, I know. And, you know, Cobb loves to say that she's got more than 2,000 volunteers who've been helping out with her campaign. So by sheer numbers, like, you know, you divvy them all up among these tiny (laughs) events, maybe at least a couple people will be at each one. It could work out really well, or it could just be a couple people on the side of the road. And so that'll be interesting. But either way, I I think she's trying to, like, show that there's energy and there's momentum here. Well, okay. so for me, after the debate in Watertown, I really needed a palate cleanser. So I went out and just talked to as many voters as I could. And I got to tell you, I could not believe how many people told me they were really eager to vote Mm. and have no clue who they're going to vote for. Really? Yeah. I talked to a Vietnam vet from Fort Drum and he told me he's really not happy with President Trump, but he can't figure out which candidate is going to be a good alternative to that. Um, I spoke to a woman in Governor who was at that McDonald's eating Mm. a burger with her kids, and she said she's not sure who the candidates are. So I think it's a really good reminder for a ton of us here in the North Country. Yeah, politics are important. We all know that. But they're not exactly top of mind. We have busy lives. Um, So I'm curious to see whether these people actually turn out to vote. And then, of course, how they wind up making up their minds. I I had a little bit of a similar similar experience, Lauren, just talking informally to some people at a Halloween, a little Halloween gathering the other day, just got the impression that quite a few young people uh, just really not sure who's running, maybe a little bit disengaged. I'm really interested to see that turn out too. It feels in some ways like kind of a crapshoot. So I guess my final thoughts uh, for this podcast would be, first, I've been fascinated by the degree to which Elise Stefanik has run a bare-knuckled race, a bare-knuckled campaign right from the start, running two ads that journalists have determined were factually wrong, declining to pull them down, really going fiercely at Tedra Cobb uh, from the very day that the Democrat won her primary. So the tone took me by surprise. And I'm also, I've been really shocked by how Stefanik has embraced Donald Trump. Um, You know, she's built her political brand around being a moderate, a leading bipartisan voice in Congress, and, and her record backs some of that up. But during the debate, you know, she referenced Trump's very controversial focus on that immigrant caravan in Mexico. She, of course, invited Trump to visit Fort Drum. She's a politician who's calibrated her distance from him with real care and real caution. But in this campaign, she appears to have decided that Trump remains popular enough here in the North Country uh, that she can sail under his flag. So it'll be interesting to me, really interesting to see how that plays on Tuesday. 
Okay. Uh, this is our last uh, official Thursday podcast. But, sad. Uh, oh, sad. Sad. So like sad. tears all around. <laughs> but I, we will have some special bonus podcasts coming uh, perhaps as early as tomorrow. We'll try to get something on uh, the podcast feed uh, on Election Day. Just give you some more material. We do have some more reporting coming, uh, including about voter registration and a little bit more about what people are feeling uh, right now as the election approaches. So stay on your feed. We will have more stuff coming before the election. And then, of course, we're going to have a wrap up next Thursday. Lauren, thank you very much. Thank you, David. Brian, thanks. Thanks, David. Thanks, everybody. And thank you, Zach. Thank you, guys. I hope you have a great day. Okay. We love to hear from you. You can email me at david at ncpr.org with your feedback, or you can send us a voice memo, first name, last name, where you live. Go ahead with your question or comment, and then email that product to david at ncpr.org. Music by Jared Stephen Doyle from the great herb of Potsdam, New York. See you next time. Thank you.